Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Spiritual Friendship. I'm your host, Michelle, and Jamie is not here to join me today. This episode is going to be a short one, so I just want you guys to buckle up and be prepared for that. However, um, just I want to give you guys a trigger warning because this one's going to be pretty heavy, really heavy, and that's why I didn't really want Jamie to be involved with this one because it is a really, really heavy story. Um, I wanted to talk about COVID and just how bad it is and how difficult it's gotten, but not in the way that you would usually think. I wanted to talk about Brad Hunstable. I believe his name is Brad Hunstable. He has a really um, heartbreaking message to share with the world. And it is, human condition is not to be socially isolated. So I want him to tell his story. And you guys can listen to that. It's about 11 minutes long. But I'd like for you guys to listen to what he has to say. Uh, before I go any further. So we'll go ahead and listen to that. They, two, since I buried my son. My son died from the coronavirus, as I've mentioned, um, but not in the way you think. Um, human condition is not to be socially isolated. And, you, and I heard someone say, well, it's like summer for these kids. It was. It's not like summer for these kids. It's just not. Anybody says it's, it's an idiot. This is not summer. You have parents who are stressed out because they lost their jobs. That's not like summer. You got kids who have no interaction with their friends other than through Fortnite and FaceTime. That's not like summer. You have kids who can't go go run off their energy at PE class. They can't get that one hug from their teacher that they needed. Um, there, there's social and emotional challenges beyond comprehension. And we're only gonna begin to understand the effects and it will be incredibly hard to track and incredibly hard to prove my thesis um, because the network effects of how this all happened, the butterfly effect is, is too complicated. But my belief is uh, that we are have a bubble, a social and emotional bubble that's about to burst. And it's been coming for a while. I think Hayden was an incredible kid. He wasn't depressed. Uh, he wasn't uh, someone who uh, moped around. I mean, like any teenager, he was hard on himself at times. Probably a lot, a lot like me. Pretty competitive guy, um, and like anybody, had its own his own insecurities here and there. Um, my son, the story behind my son, for those who want to know, back in December, he got a brand new monitor for Christmas. That's what he wanted. He was a big, big time gamer, and I got nothing wrong with gaming. Uh, that's what he wanted to play Fortnite. He's an incredible Fortnite player, one of the top for his age in the country, and. Um, very proud of that gift, and, and that one of those wonderful for a couple months, right before the virus was starting. Back in February, like like I used to do, when I got mad at uh, Mike Tyson's punch out or whatever it was, um, he got mad at Fortnite, turned around and chunked that controller over his head again, just like I used to do, and um, hit smack in the middle of that monitor, broke it. And we told him, son, you know, you can't do that. I don't care about the monitor, but I care about how you react. It's just you can't do that. When you're not getting another one. Sorry, dude. Um, and, you know, he negotiated and tried every which way to convince us, talking to my, what we call, my, my dad, we call him Pee-Pee, um, trying to get him to fix it, and he can't fix those new LCD monitors, um, or not cheaply, at least. 
And, um, but we said, you know what, if you, opportunity to, to learn a lesson, do some hard work of your own, do some more chores around the house, you treat your sister nicer, um, maybe we'll talk about it, we'll get you one. And he held up with his end of the bargain. Um, February, Mar March, he worked his butt off, um, did some things around the house, did many things around the house. Was, I could see it, just a wonderful change in how he treated his sister, which brother and sisters always fight, nothing unusual about that, but just learning, he was evolving, he was growing, he was becoming a man, 12-year-old boy. And, uh, you know, a week and a half ago, we had a wonderful day. Um, where me and Hayden were supposed to go get haircuts at my office. Um, both of us were getting shaggy as can be. And um, my water in my well went out. And, uh, you know, I needed help to fix it. So I called the smartest guy I know, which was my dad. Um, and I hadn't seen him because of the virus. I hadn't allowed him to go to work. I said, you got to work from home, man. I was worried about my dad just like everybody else. Uh, but he came over, helped me fix the will. It was a beautiful sunny day. We had a glorious time. Me, Hayden, and him fixing it. Dad even gave him a little mission that he had to watch something on the well. He was real proud of that. And her Hayden come up in the kitchen. I gave him the biggest hug, and I kissed him on the hair. I hugged him tight for some reason. I didn't know what would be the last time I'd hug him. But Dad did the same, and we talked some more. And Hayden went upstairs to his room. Um, and... Um, my dad had to go. Uh, I had to take a phone call. Um, April went to go um, pick up a friend. You know, the social isolation, we kind of reached a point where we felt like it was counterproductive. So we're going to let her have a friend spend the night and they were going to get some food. And my dad left. April left. I went into my room real quick. Just my little daughter, me and Hayden were at home. I took a call. It took about 25, 30 minutes. Walked outside and... Uh, my eight-year-old daughter came down the stairs and said, Hayden hung himself. And I ran upstairs. <sighs> I tried. I want nobody ever feels to see what I saw, to feel this pain. I want nobody. And as we found out, you know, we were in shock the first couple days. Just, just how, where did this come from? How this happened? I'm a horrible parent. Horrible. And uh, come to find out that he had broke his monitor again. Broke his monitor again. And in a, just a rash of, of emotion and probably anger at himself and maybe scared to get in trouble. And, Embarrassed and all these emotions, you know, I went in his closet and rudimentally did something that I, I know he regrets. The kicker of it was, it was three days before his 13th birthday, and he was so excited about that birthday. Um, so excited about his birthday. And he was going to get a controller, some new controller that was going to really make his game, Xbox game better. Or his uh, Fortnite became better. And um, and so when he broke his monitor, I believe he felt like he ruined his party. He ruined his birthday. He already couldn't have a birthday party because of social isolation. Imagine that as a 12-year-old boy. You know, that's just, that's got to be. Those are the things you look forward to as a kid. And then you then you, and you accidentally ruin it because you break your monitor and you aren't going to be able to use your birthday present here in a couple days and you can't go see your friends. 
Um, and you're, you know, you're stuck. You didn't have PE class and run it all out. And, you know, you know, all those things everybody's played for and across the country. Kids are staying up later than they are. So they're, again, they, they, have, they don't have the skills. We as a society, me as a parent, us as parents haven't necessarily given them all the tools to, to properly handle. And in that moment, um, probably not understanding the, the finality of the situation in the closet and got himself in a situation I believe he couldn't get out of um, and might have been, been, been an accident. My eight-year-old daughter saw some of it. We don't know exactly what. We'll let the counselors, professionals help us in that. Um, but I know she, once she saw blood coming out of his nose, she came and got me. She did the right thing. I don't think she even knew what, what was happening. She knew blood. She came and got me ran upstairs. I didn't have my cell phone on me. Um, and I told her, go get my cell phone downstairs. And she ran downstairs just like an amazing human being and got it for me. And I, and I happened to have an AED, an automatic electronic defibrillator in my house. And I said, go get that medical thing out of the pantry. She'd never seen it and I didn't know what it was. And she brought that to me. Very proud of her. She was ready to, she was ready to execute. Um, and I said, hey, you go outside and go. I'd called 911 by this point. I said, go outside, keep the door open and wait for the cops, um, wave them down. She ran outside as fast as she could. Um, one thing I'm just immensely proud of her about is during that moment, about a year ago, we had done some training in my house in the West Point grad and um, probably could have should have done more training, but um, I said, hey, if there's ever an issue, you go run over to this guy's house. And if there's ever another issue, you go, or if you can't get him, you go run to this guy's house. And rather than just waiting outside, this little girl, eight years old, Eight years old, eight years old last September. Ran to my neighbor's house, got my, my neighbor, ran to the other neighbor's house and got them. And as I was given CPR, I was on the verge of collapsing. I literally was on the verge of collapsing. I was praying to God just to give me the strength. I never knew how hard that is. Um, and out of nowhere, and all my, my neighbors appear and help me take over and help me, help us try to save him. Um, social isolation is hard enough for adults. It's even more hard for our kids. And um, I have been saying COVID killed my son. I believe it, but not how not how we think. I believe my son would be alive today if he was in school. And that's not to discount the massive suffering around the world around this virus. I thank you all for listening to me. This is, uh, I need to get this off my chest. I'm now one of Hayden's soldiers, who is a soldier of God. Um, and what's a horrible tragedy, um, I'll be damned. I'll be damned if, if I don't make this a little bit better. And politicians, for those of you who um, made the decisions you made, I know, I'm not, I know you're not perfect. But there's got to be accountability. Um, and not, not accountability like I'm doing in a bad way. Accountability in what's, what's legally right, my, my rights as a citizen, which is to speak out, which is to influence change. And if I don't think you're a good enough leader, I can spend my pocketbook and my time and my effort to get you out of there. <laughs> I don't want my son and his memory to be the last mistake he ever made. <laughs> Nobody wants that. I don't. But I want his memory to be that smile. I want his memory to be his heart, 
his dedication, his tenacity. Um, and I want his memory to be that he made a big difference in the world, a little flame, spark around the world. I love you all. Thank you all for your support. All my friends, all my family. Um, and buddy, see you soon. Thanks, guys. This story is one that I saw a few months ago and it didn't really start hitting home until recently because my, my brother had also attempted um, suicide and I just can't help but think about all the individuals that have silently been suffering and no one's talking about it. No one's there no one seems to care and and that's that's really really frustrating brandon's almost his entire family is in the healthcare system and when i bring up things like this to them they don't seem to understand it and i'm very confused and i'm very baffled and i think in the future i would love to see people caring about these kinds of topics and some sort of a solution because just locking everybody away in their houses for months on end this may stop the virus but it's not stopping this and then we have economic downfall we have job loss homelessness we have all these really serious problems that nobody's looking at and no one seems to care at least that's what i'm seeing i'm from Colorado, we have one of the top, the top highest rates of suicide in America, and nobody's talking about it. In my opinion, Hayden died of COVID, just like any other person did, and just like his dad has explained, there, there's not, you know, you shouldn't say anything about the, the suffering that people are having around the world. This is not to knock their suffering at all. This is just more suffering that is happening behind the scenes that nobody's talking about, that nobody seems to care about. This is one of the most disheartening, saddest stories that I think I have ever had to, to see. And nobody's talking about it. Nobody's cared and to talk to people who are in the medical field who literally don't give a shit that people are killing themselves. Because that's what this is. People are killing themselves. That is one of the saddest things I think I've ever heard. And I just hope that this story gets more attention. And that's why I wanted to release this. This is, this is just, this is too important not to release. Too important not to talk about. And I hope that his dad is in a better place mentally. Um, but yeah, this, this is just... It needs to be talked about. It needs to be out in the open. We need to care. And so going into 2021, I honestly hope that we see more people just giving a fuck. Just caring. We'll see you guys.